Well, good morning, everyone. How are we? Good morning. If only I could preach like Allison gave announcements, you know? It would be a special place, wouldn't it? Um, thank you, Allison. So excited about summer at Arbor. Um, hope to see you all at those things. Um, for those that are new or visiting, uh, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at Arbor. A few weeks ago, we began a new series through the Gospel of Mark that we are calling The Life and Way of Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get those out and turn to the Gospel of Mark. I'm going to be reading from chapters 1 to and three in just a bit. How about that? Not all of them, okay? Not all of them, just little sections. Um, over the last couple of weeks, uh, what we've been trying to do is we've been trying to lay some foundational stuff for this series. And last week, what we talked about was we talked about the gospel that Jesus preached, the gospel Jesus preached, and how it has far more to do with the arrival of this thing called the kingdom of God or the rule and reign of God than maybe many of us were aware of. And, and, and we were invited last week to wrestle with this question, um, what kingdom am I living for? Uh, what kingdom am I living for? Am I living for the kingdom of God? Is my life centered around and built upon living under the rule and reign of King Jesus, or do I find myself preoccupied with my own kingdom, with advancing my rule and reign, so to speak, my life plan, my pleasure, my joy? my fulfillment. And this week, we're going to dive deeper into that question by talking about discipleship, about following Jesus, essentially what it means to be a Christian. And the reason we're diving into this today is, is because I believe we have made following Jesus, we have made being a Christian, we've made Christianity a lot of things that it's not. And if we believe the gospel that Jesus preaches, that the kingdom of God is near, if we believe this gospel and we want to be genuine, true followers of Jesus, then what does that look like? What does that look like for us in this room? And so last week we talked about the gospel according to Jesus. This week we're going to talk about discipleship according to Jesus. And we're going to do that by looking at a few important passages here near the beginning of Mark. And so like we've been doing for the past few weeks, if you're able, would you please stand with me as I read from God's word right now, starting in Mark 1, verse 16. It reads, it says this, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishing. Verse 17, come follow me. Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Mark chapter 2. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd gathered around him. And he began to teach them. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. Now Mark chapter 3. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came. And he appointed the twelve that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the 12 that he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, 
to whom he gave the name, we're not even going to try that, which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. This is God's word. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Right now, as we turn our our hearts and our minds toward it, we pray that your spirit would open our eyes and would we be able to receive what you would have for us today? Would your spirit convict our heart and shape us and call us to greater depths as we follow you? Would you anoint me as I speak these words today? Would you use me, Father? We pray this all in your son's name. Amen. All right, you can be seated. So if you followed Jesus, any length of time, you've probably heard this word testimony. How many of you have heard of the word testimony before? Some of you are like, I don't know what that word is. That sounds really weird. Testimony is just like a shorthand word for like insider Christians for, um, for this idea of, of how you became a Christian. So we say, what's your testimony? How, how did you become a Christian? And for me, maybe your story's like mine. Um, I grew up in a home where both of my parents started following Jesus when I was young, and I remember being at church when I was a young kid, like six or seven years old. I remember being at church on a Sunday night because we went to a church where you went to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. Anyone go to a church like that growing up? Yeah, those were wild days, right? That's a lot of church. (laughs) Too much church. Way too much church. Anyway, I remember being at one of those Sunday night services and I was hearing the preacher preach because there was no kid services. So the whole time you just kind of drew on the offering envelopes. But I remember hearing this preacher preach and I remember hearing about being a sinner and how sinners go to hell and how if I didn't want to go to hell, I just believed in Jesus that he died for my sin and then I could go to heaven and they're like, who wants a part of that? And I was like, yeah, please sign me up. That sounds fantastic. And so that night I prayed that prayer. I believed in Jesus. I believed that he forgave me of my sins. I believed that I was going to heaven and some would call this my testimony. Some would say that on that evening I became a Christian. Maybe I did, maybe that's what happened there. But then like six or seven years later, I remember being at this winter camp with uh, a youth group and I was like in middle school and again, there was a guy and he was teaching, he was preaching from up front and he was talking about what it meant to really follow Jesus. Like what it meant to really be a disciple of Jesus and I could feel God's spirit tug at my heart as I thought about what my life looked at the time and and what being a disciple, what being a follower of Jesus looked like and, and the difference between the two and I started to feel this conviction and then the worship band came up and they started playing this song by Rich Mullins called Sometimes by Step. Anyone know that song? Sometimes by, not many of you, you're like, what are you talking about? Again, this is like OG 1990s Christian stuff right here, okay? But this song, even to this day, like still evokes tears to my eyes because in that moment there were, there were tears and it wasn't just an emotional thing because in, in that moment, in that time, as like a 12, 13-year-old boy, I remember praying and again, feeling like I was becoming a Christian again. But this time it was just a little bit different. Uh, To me, it was more than just a prayer. Jesus was calling me to something deeper. He was calling me to follow after him. And by God's grace, I left that camp and, and began like a journey of following Jesus more closely. In fact, it was during this time where I began to feel a call to be a, to be a pastor, to go into a full-time ministry. So, so why do I share those two brief snapshot stories of my life here at the beginning? Well, well here's why. Today, 
I want to invite you to think about this with me. When you hear that someone is a Christian, or when you say yourself that you're a Christian, what do you mean by that? In other words, what does being a Christian mean to you? What does being a Christian mean to you? For, for many of us, it means that we prayed this prayer that, that, that we sometimes call a sinner's prayer, and we believe a few things that Christians believe to be true. We believe that Jesus is the only way to God. We believe that he died for our sins. We, we believe that by believing that, that we're going to go to heaven when we die, And we also might believe that we should go to church once in a while and we should be relatively good people and not try to do too many bad things. And so for many of us, when we think about this question, what does it mean to be a Christian? To be a Christian simply means to believe the right things about God, about Jesus, about the Bible as a minimum requirement to being in to being saved, to to be able to go to heaven, to being a Christian. And this is the culture that I grew up in. This is the air that I breathed. This is what I was raised in. Ryan, you're a sinner. You're going to go to hell unless you believe Jesus died for your sins. And if you say this prayer and believe in him, you can go to heaven when you die. And when you do that, congratulations, now you're a Christian. Some of you might be thinking, what's the big deal? Isn't that the whole shtick? Isn't that what this is all about? You say a prayer and then you're in and that's how you're saved? Well, here's here's the deal. The, the, The problem with this thinking is this. We've created a category of people who say a prayer, believe a few biblical facts, and then call themselves Christians without being disciples of Jesus. Let me say that again. We've created a category of people who say a prayer, believe a few facts, and are called Christians without ever being disciples of Jesus. And what we find in the Gospels is that Jesus never called people to be a Christian. He actually never even used that word. In the Bible, it never calls any of us to say a sinner's prayer and become a Christian. Technically, Jesus wasn't even Christian. He was Jewish. So like, what do we do with that, right? (laughs) The word Christian is used in the New Testament only three times. And it's used to describe Jesus' followers when they were becoming too ethnically diverse to be called Jewish. I don't think this word is a bad word. I just think in our time right now, it's a confusing word. And I don't want to strike this word from our vocabulary. I just want to expand the definition of this word Christian to actually mean a disciple of Jesus. Because the problem that we're seeing now is that we have people who call themselves a Christian, but they're not a disciple of Jesus. Discipleship has become this sort of add-on thing that a few special select special forces Christians add on to their walks with Jesus. We have people that say a prayer, become a Christian, whereas Jesus did the exact opposite. He didn't call Christians, he called disciples. That's who he called. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. What is a disciple? What is a disciple? And there are three things today that I want us to see what discipleship is according to the verses, the scripture that we read this morning. And so here's a little roadmap of where we're going. Discipleship is, according to Jesus, these three things. Discipleship 
is relationship with Jesus, it's apprenticeship under Jesus, and it's apostleship by Jesus. That's going to get increasingly annoying throughout the morning if that doesn't get adjusted. So let's keep going. Um, that's our framework today. Discipleship is relationship with, apprenticeship under, and apo- is that what we're going to have to do? Microphone? Okay, here we go. It's all good. Check. Can you hear me? Okay, yeah, you can. Here we go. So discipleship is being with Jesus. It's becoming like Jesus. And it's doing what Jesus did. And so let's get into these. First of all, discipleship is relationship with Jesus. That's what discipleship is. Look at verse 17 from chapter 1. Jesus says this. He says, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. So listen, the fact that Jesus had followers, the fact that Jesus had disciples was not a new thing. Every rabbi, every great teacher, every philosopher had students, had disciples. What was different here though was that Jesus called his own disciples. Rabbis back then, they didn't do that. Here's how it typically worked. When you were a child growing up in Israel, you would go to school and you would learn about Torah. You would learn about God's word, about the scriptures, and you would grow up. And for those who were like the cream of the crop, for those who were like really smart, they would go out and seek a rabbi. They would go, kind of like how a high school student today goes through high school and then applies to colleges and and wants to go to college. They would seek out a call. These individuals would seek out a rabbi, but Jesus was different. He called his own disciples. So now, why did people go seek out a rabbi? Why didn't rabbis go around to the different students and pick their own students and say, like Jesus, follow me? Well, well, the reason why they, did, they didn't do this, the reason why they didn't do what Jesus did was because for those who were seeking a rabbinical school, their chief allegiance wasn't to the rabbi. Their chief allegiance was to the scriptures. And so when they entered under a rabbi to be that rabbi's disciple, to be that rabbi's student, they, they were following not necessarily the rabbi, but the rabbi's teachings on the scriptures. In fact, if you look in the Jewish scriptures, if you look throughout the Old Testament, the commands that we see oftentimes sound like this, that, that we are called to walk in the way of the Lord, that we're called to follow the statutes of God, that we're called, called to follow the law of God. Rarely, if ever, throughout the Old Testament do we see this call to follow God himself. This is because Jesus was doing a new thing. He was setting a new paradigm here. He wasn't saying come and obey these laws. He wasn't saying come and, 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 and learn my take on these laws. He was saying come and follow me. Come and follow me. Be in relationship with me. I want you to come and learn from me. And not just learn abstract theological truths. Not just learn my take on those truths. I want you to come and learn from me. Learn from my life. Be with me because I am the truth. Look at chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed 12 that they might be with him. So that word there, appointed, it actually literally means he made. It's this Greek verb, poieo, 
which means to make. So he made the 12. And in a sense, Jesus made them out of nothing. And so this part of of scripture is meant to echo God's creative work in the very beginning in Genesis where God made out of nothing humankind in his image. In the Greek version of the Old Testament called the Septuagint, it uses the exact same word there, poieo. And Jesus is making this new community. In fact, he's making a new humanity because he was doing something brand new. And and he made them, it says in verse 14, so that they might be with him. That's, That's the most important thing right there. Listen, before discipleship is anything else, before we make discipleship anything else, it is relationship with Jesus. It's relationship with the Most High God, the creator of the universe. It's relationship with the one who, who the, Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews says is able to sympathize with our weakness because he's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. He has suffered through the exact same things that we've suffered through. When we bring him our problems, when we bring him our struggles, our hurts, our pain, he's able to understand those things because he's lived through the exact same things we've lived through. Rejection, betrayal, loneliness, hurt, physical pain, when we have to face death, he's gone through all of it. He's gone through all of it. A disciple of Jesus is first and foremost someone who's in relationship with Jesus, someone whose life is marked by an increasingly close relationship with Jesus, their rabbi. A disciple is someone who is immersed in his teachings. A disciple is someone who spends time talking with Jesus and listening to Jesus in prayer. A disciple is someone who's nurturing an increasingly deeper lifestyle, a communion with this Jesus. That's what a disciple is. And if those things don't describe us, then we have to begin to ask ourselves, am am I really a disciple of Jesus? Am I really a disciple or am I sort of like a, am I just like a Christian in name only? Is that what I am? Have I merely said a prayer and I try not to do so many bad things and I try to live a pretty good life and go to church once in a while and that's it? So first, discipleship is relationship with Jesus, but it doesn't stop there. Discipleship is more than just a relationship with Jesus. Discipleship is also apprenticeship under Jesus. It's an apprenticeship under Jesus. Look at verse 17 again in Mark chapter one. The NIV translates this sentence this way. It reads, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. But literally in the Greek, this sentence reads this way. It says, come follow me and I will make you to become fishers of people. Do You see the difference there? I will make you to become. What it's saying here is that being a disciple of Jesus is about who you're becoming day after day in your relationship with Jesus, who Jesus is shaping you into, who he's making you to become. 
Jesus is making his disciples. He's forming his disciples into something. He's saying, follow me. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, follow me and I'll turn you into something. I'll shape you. The word disciple there in, in both its Greek and Hebrew root means student. We've I've mentioned this a couple times already, but not just like a student who sits in a classroom and learns intellectually, but a student who participates in active fellowship with their teacher. Like I have this friend who's a doctor and after his pre-med stuff and his undergrad and after he went to grad school, med school, residency, he then went and applied for this fellowship to learn some sort of specialized medicine. And while he was in this fellowship, he didn't just sit in a classroom and learn from like highly trained medical professionals and doctors. He spent time immersed in active participative fellowship so that he wouldn't just learn intellectually what they knew, but so that he would be able to do what these professionals did. This is what an apprenticeship under Jesus looks like. This is what we are called to as disciples of Jesus to apprentice under Jesus. We spend time with Jesus to like learn a trade, so to speak. Like, like those who become a carpenter or a plumber or an electrician. We spend time with Jesus and we sit under a master at his craft in order to learn his craft over time. Again, we don't just learn it intellectually. We don't just learn it in our minds. We spend time with Jesus in order to become like Jesus so that we might do what Jesus did. This is what we are called to in our discipleship. He wants us to be with him so that we can become like him. Dallas Willard, he, he puts it this way. He says that a disciple or apprentice is simply someone who has decided to be with another person under appropriate conditions in order to become capable of doing what that person does or to become what that person is. That's what a disciple is. That's the, what a disciple of Jesus is. Someone who looks at Jesus and wants to be in proximity with Jesus so that you can become like him and eventually be capable of doing what he did. Again, this is only first possible if we spend time in relationship with Jesus, if, in, if we're in relationship with him. But we, we need to understand this though. Discipleship with Jesus, being with Jesus and becoming like Jesus is not something we can simply add to our lives and expect for it not to disrupt anything. It's not merely an appendage that we can just add like a hobby and expect it to just sort of be there and not disrupt anything else in our lives. Following Jesus, being a true disciple of Jesus, it's actually like a pretty disruptive thing. It's pretty disruptive. It should reorient our lives, perhaps even uproot your life as you know it. Like as we look at the disciples that we read about in Mark's chap Mark chapter 1 and 2 and 3, what we see are individuals who left behind businesses to follow Jesus. Uh, a certain pair of them, they were like, had like a well-established business. Like, like, a, like a business that was thriving. You had to have a lot of money to have boats that went on the sea to go fishing. They, they, they dropped that and left that to apprentice under Jesus. The other guys were just kind of fishing off of the coast. We can kind of consider them a startup. But they just, they dropped their nets and they followed Jesus. They both did. Apprenticing under Jesus completely reoriented and uprooted their lives. 
Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you need to quit your job and uproot your life in order to truly be a disciple of Jesus. I'm not saying that. I'm not not saying that. Like, that might happen, but I'm not saying that has to happen. But what will happen, though, if you're truly following Jesus, and if you're in relationship with him, and if you're apprenticing under Jesus, is that as your life is, is increasingly marked by being with him, and becoming like him, at the very least, you will begin to experience a complete reorientation of your priorities and your purpose in your life. Your discipleship to Jesus should disrupt what you naturally value and what you're going after in your life. And for those that are genuinely engaged in an apprenticeship to Jesus. How do I know that I'm doing this? For those that are genuinely engaged in an apprenticeship under Jesus, what you'll find is is that you'll have this ringing question at the front of your mind, which is this. What is Jesus good at that I want to be good at? What is Jesus good at that I want to be good at? Have you ever thought about that question once? What is Jesus good at that I want to... As you look at the life of Christ and you spend time with him, what are things about Jesus that you long to embody? What are things about Jesus that you just want to naturally flow from your daily existence? What was Jesus good at? He was good at a lot of things. He was good at a lot of things, but namely this. Jesus was good at living in the kingdom, in the presence of God, and applying that kingdom reality for the good of others. That's what Jesus was good at, right there. And if apprenticeship means becoming more like your master, then this is what all of us should be getting good at as we follow Jesus, as we apprentice under Jesus. Not merely reading our Bibles, not merely being nice people, not merely better church attendance, but becoming more like Jesus in every and all situations of our lives. Becoming the kind of people who, like Jesus, are empowered by the Spirit of God. And when we walk into a room, whether it's a coffee shop or our home or a workplace, we are able to not be overwhelmed with worry and hurry and, 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 and like the self-preoccupation, but that we are in that moment able to see and sense by the presence and power of God's spirit where the kingdom of God wants to break through. That we are looking and that we are keenly searching for opportunities to partner with God and be agents of love and justice and peace in every and any situation that we find ourselves in. This is what our lives should be increasingly marked by as we apprentice under Jesus. And so discipleship is relationship with Jesus. It's apprenticeship under Jesus. And now lastly, listen, discipleship is apostleship sent by Jesus. Now this one might sound the weirdest to all of you. And here's, here's what I don't mean by this. I'm using little a apostle, not like capital A apostle, like the 12, like we're all supposed to be like these special 12 people. Simply put, the Greek word for apostle is, is this word apostolos. Go figure, right? And it means, it means sent one. Or the one who is sent. Look at Mark chapter 3 verse 14. It says, He appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. That he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. And so apostleship, lowercase a, is about being sent in the world by Jesus to go do what he did. 
And so Jesus' call of discipleship on these first disciples that we see at the beginning of Mark and on our lives today in 2023 is simple. Jesus calls us to be with him. And he calls us to be with him so that we would become like him, that we would learn how to live in the kingdom of God like he lives in the kingdom of God. But again, that's not the end of it. That's not the end of it. As we become like him, Jesus' ultimate aim with your life is so that he would send you out into the world so that you would be able to do what Jesus did. Again, he wants us to go wherever we work, into our homes, a coffee shop. He wants us to proclaim the good news of the kingdom, live as he lived, and go into those spaces and do what he did. And so again, to, to, to summarize, as we look at this call to discipleship, as we look at discipleship according to Jesus, a disciple is, is not someone who merely says a prayer and is in. A disciple is someone who is with Jesus in order to become like Jesus and then is capable of doing what Jesus did. And so my hope this morning is that you're beginning to be able to see the importance of distinguishing the difference between what we typically call being a Christian and and what Jesus calls a disciple. There's a massive difference between the two. A massive difference. Being a Christian, being a disciple, is not simply about one decision we make in our lives. As important as those moments are, I don't want to negate the importance of those moments and how God can use those moments to deepen our walk with him, to deepen our conversion. But listen, being a disciple is so, so much more than those one-time decisions we made when we were six or 16 or 60. Being a disciple is an increasingly all-consuming, life-shaping, priority and purpose reorienting journey It's a daily taking up of one's cross, dying to self, and pursuing Jesus. That's what discipleship is. That's what it is. And you know, I wish I could tell you that in my own personal story, my testimony, so to speak, that like when I was a middle, like middle school Ryan, when that Rich Mullins song was just played by that band, probably pretty mediocrely, (laughs) that like it was like a turning point in my life. And that it was all like up and to the right and like deep faithful following of Jesus. And I just like more and more entering into this state of sainthood or whatever, you know. But let me tell you, it it has not been that. My life has been a series of desires to follow Jesus. And then followed by seasons of my life where I pursued my own selfishness. Disregarding my discipleship to Jesus. And then tasting the bitter taste of that selfishness. And the failure. And the foolishness. And the falling again. And then returning to Jesus. And experiencing a fresh Um, taste of his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness as I ran back to him and pursued discipleship again. It's been up and down and back and forth and up and down and back and forth. And maybe your story's been the same. Maybe your story's been the same. Here's what I found to be true in my journey of discipleship. That at, at every step along the way, in my discipleship journey with Jesus, the call has always sounded the same. It's always sounded the same. Jesus saying to me again, come follow me. This is Jesus' invitation to you this morning. Come follow me. Come follow me. It's always sounded the same. 
But at every step along the way, its meaning has been a little bit different every time. And here's what I mean by this. There's this writer, his name's Ronald Rollheiser, and he puts it this way. He says, the invitations that come to us from Scripture, particularly from Jesus, meet us in very different ways at very different times in our lives. Not all of Jesus' invitations ask for the same level of response at a given time in our lives. Some of his challenges are meant to, to, to help bring us into basic conversion. And some are meant to deepen that conversion, and still others are meant to take that conversion to its full term and make us full saints. And so regardless of where you find yourselves today, Jesus is calling to you. He's saying, come and follow me. And the invitation today is to simply say yes to a deeper discipleship. That's what Jesus is calling us to. And so maybe, maybe this morning you find yourself and your entire existence as a Christian in this state where you've just kind of been hovering and, and you said yes to Jesus one time and you've been kind of trying to go to church and do your thing, but you've just never seen growth. You've, you've never seen any real change in your life. Here's what I don't want you to hear today. I don't want you to hear that you're not a Christian. I don't want you to hear that you're not a follower of Jesus, but, 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 but where I want you to be challenged is, is maybe, maybe Jesus is calling you to a deeper level of discipleship today. And would you have the courage, would you have the bravery to say yes to that deeper level of discipleship? Maybe you find yourself today and you're like, no, I'm a follower of Jesus. I know I am. I'm a disciple. And I've been trying to discipline my mind and discipline my body to the way of Jesus. But, but you found yourself over the last week, over the last month, over the last year, like struggling in your discipleship, struggling in your apprenticeship under Jesus. And here, here's what I want to say to you. I want, I want to reassure you that Jesus is making you into something. He is doing it. He said in, in, in Mark, I will make you to become a fisher of people. And, and when he says that, he's taking responsibility for your discipleship. He will do it. You still have to show up. You have to participate. But Jesus is like, I'm ultimately responsible for it. And not only is he responsible for it, he is capable and powerful enough to do it. And not only is he capable and powerful enough to do it, he, he is full of mercy and kindness and forgiveness. So when we find ourselves failing and flailing and wandering, he welcomes us back. I mean, that's what Mark is all about. The disciples, as we watch their journey, they get it and they don't get it. They get it and they don't get it. But, but, but all the while, Jesus is making them into his disciples. Because even when we are faithless, Jesus remains faithful. Amen? All the time. And so this morning, while we've learned about what a disciple is, and we've learned that Jesus has a standard, he's not merely asking people to say a prayer, he's calling people to follow him. And while we've learned this standard, and we've learned what Jesus is calling us to, I also want all of us to know that this is a journey, and this is a lifelong journey journey. And wherever we find ourselves on this spectrum of discipleship, know that the, 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 the power of Jesus and the grace of Jesus meets us wherever we are, wherever we are. And so as we close, I, I don't want us just to, to rush into this next song and, and stand and sing and leave. Um, instead of business as usual, I, I would like us during this next song just to remain seated. 
to remain seated. And, and I'm going to invite the band back on stage right now. But during this next song, would we just quiet our hearts? Would we pray? And would we personally reflect on Jesus' call in our lives? This call to come follow me. This call to discipleship. And again, his, his invitation to you is simple. It's an invitation to say yes to a deeper discipleship. And for some of you, it might be the first time you're saying yes to this call. And for others, the Spirit's calling you back from a season of apathy, from a season of wandering, from a season of, con- season of confusion. There might be things that you have to leave behind. There might be things that you have to give up. But like the disciples, would we have courage to lay down our nets and follow him. And again, remember, regardless of where we're at, the grace of Jesus, the power of Jesus meets us wherever we are on this journey. And like Paul says in Philippians, he will finish the good work that he started. And so Father, as we, as we take this time now to reflect and to quiet our hearts, I pray that your spirit would work and move and use my imperfect words, God, to draw our hearts closer to you. Following you, our discipleship to you is a journey. And I pray that wherever we find ourselves on that journey today, God, that, that with joy and, and, and gladness, we would take another step, whatever that means for us. For some of us, it's gonna be the first time we've ever decided to follow you, Jesus. And for others, Lord, it's a returning again. And would we not feel shame? Would we not feel discouragement by coming back again? But would we be encouraged by the work that you're doing, even in our hurt, even in our wandering, even in our apathy, God? We see time and time again throughout the disciples' story in in, in Mark. Lord, you're gracious. You're kind. You are the father waiting for his son to return home. And so, Lord, what we want is you. We want all of you, and I know that you want all of us. And so would you work in this time right now, Holy Spirit? Draw our hearts to you. Give us clarity. Would you show us truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.